1: support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation. Committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at
0: woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8 30 on Friday, July 28th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, more voices from the Meshoba County Fair as state leaders weigh in on issues like a Nissan union and the gender pay gap.
2: I look at Detroit, I look at California, other areas where the union came into the automobile industry
3: and just destroyed it. We've got young women that are graduating from colleges and we want them to stay here.
0: Then, the annual sales tax holiday is underway. Find out how to save and what items are not included in the tax break. Plus, does your student play contact sports? Find out why some experts say they could be at risk for brain injury and learn what to do to minimize the risk. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Next week, 14 years after opening its doors, workers at the Nissan plant in Canton will vote on whether to become part of the United Auto Workers. Supporters of the move say union membership would provide more bargaining power for employees and could lead to better benefits and higher pay. This week at the Neshoba County Fair, some state leaders are talking about a totally different outcome. Governor Phil Bryant, a Republican, says unionizing in Canton could mean economic disaster, and he doesn't want it.
2: Absolutely not, because Nissan's one of the most successful automobile plants in America. Uh, they make about nine different models there now. Uh, Mississippians have been working there for about a dozen years. It, it has provided a high quality of life. I look at Detroit, I look at California, other areas where the union came into the automobile industry and just destroyed it.
4: I don't want that to happen in Canton, Mississippi, at Nissan.
0: House Speaker Philip Gunn, a Republican from
4: Clinton, agrees. Well, one of the things that's strengthened our economy in the Mississippi is the fact that we are a right-to-work state. And this is working against that. Because one of the reasons we've been able to attract industry to Mississippi is because they know we are a right-to-work state. So this is not working to help uh, move Mississippi in the direction it needs to go.
5: Why do you feel that way?
4: That's just reality. That's reality. Companies come to Mississippi because we're a right-to-work state.
5: And so what does the union do to defeat that purpose?
4: Well, the union, of course, brings together uh, the, the, the... the, the employees in an effort to, to work against and tell the employees what they must do and how they must work, which is counter to what the right to work idea is. House Speaker
0: Philip Gunn and Governor Phil Bryant. Also at Neshoba, one of the two women who hold statewide elected office in Mississippi says she is continuing her push for an equal pay law. Nationwide, women who work full-time earn an average of 78 cents for every dollar earned by a man working full-time. State Treasurer Lynn Fitch tells MPB's Mark Rigsby Mississippi needs to send women a strong message.
2: One thing that you were speaking about today was equal pay for equal work when it comes to gender equality uh, in the workforce. Tell us about your efforts uh, in to try to get that legislation passed and the obstacles that you faced.
3: Well, it's significant that we make that acknowledgement, that we have equal pay. There are 48 other states that have adopted some form of equal pay that says to women economic development wise, um, that you're important, you're valued, your work ethic is just as important if you do the same work. So we'll continue to champion that and, and see if that happens. This past year we had seven bills that were introduced. This is a very nonpartisan issue. This is the right thing to do in Mississippi. Um and I think it just speaks volumes to people who are asking to grow businesses and to the women that are here. And then the the last component of that is we've got young women that are graduating from colleges. We want them to stay here. And so if we're not uh, acknowledging their significance, they're going to other places, and we're losing some really wonderful students.
2: You were saying in your speech that you're having a challenge with financial literacy and education here in Mississippi. How tough is that, and how important is that for
4: our future generations?
3: Well, it's a game changer. If we change the financial culture in our state oh, my, look at the opportunities that open up. And so for me to be able to get this initiative going, to talk to these young people, principals, superintendents, teachers, and you see that you're changing lives one at a time, oh, my, um, that's exciting. Because what happens? If they're better stewards of their dollars, they're going to be better citizens in the state of Mississippi. They're going to be better entrepreneurs. They're going to be better corporate workers. Whatever they choose to do, if they're empowered by money. And we've just not had the opportunity to get this into the schools, talk to these young people. And there's a huge... Uh, continued opportunity we should be in the workforce talking about because we've done a disservice by not having it in the schools as a mandatory requirement states that have moved to mandatory requirements have increased the credit scores that's where we've got to be at some point and so i'm going to continue to champion financial education across our state
2: state treasurer lynn fitch thanks for being on mississippi edition we do appreciate your time
3: mark always great to be with you thanks so much appreciate you coming up next pens markers
0: uniforms backpacks and bows Details on the items eligible for this tax-free weekend. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The
5: state's ongoing opioid epidemic. A
4: bill to allow guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We are MPB News. We
5: are MPB
2: News. We are MPB News. We
4: are MPB News. We are
0: MPB News. We are MPB News. Mississippi parents can purchase some items tax-free this weekend as school year preparations continue. Many school sessions will resume in the coming weeks, bringing school supply lists and uniform requirements with them. But shoppers should prepare before heading out to the store since not all items are included. Kathy Waterbury is associate commissioner with the State Department of Revenue. She tells us this is the first year all towns will participate.
1: This is the ninth sales tax holiday for clothing and shoes. Um, And that is for clothing and shoes if the sale of the item is less than $100.
0: Per item.
1: That's one of the biggest questions we get from year to year is that people have thought maybe they could only spend up to $100 for all of the items that they were purchasing at a time. But that's not the case. That is for a single item, like a single pair of shoes or a single trousers, or a single jacket, or something like that. It has to be less than $100.
0: Now, what is the exact time period?
1: It ends midnight, Saturday, July 29th. Um, And you can purchase um, sales tax-free online. So if you are up in the, the wee hours of Friday morning and you're shopping online and you're shopping from someone who collects Mississippi sales tax, then that item is also exempt.
0: Is that a new policy?
1: No, that has been since the beginning.
0: Let's talk about the things that are allowed and the things that aren't, because I know there's a lot of confusion in that regard.
1: Well, the best rule of thumb is to think about shoes or clothing that's typically worn, you know, that, that you would wear in public or you would wear lounging around the house, for instance. It doesn't include sports gear. It doesn't include work gear. For example, shoes, any type of footwear commonly worn includes like sneakers and boots, but it doesn't include sports shoes that have cleats on them, such as football cleats or golf cleats or um, um, baseball shoes with cleats. So it does include sneakers, though, because people commonly would wear those. It includes uh, shoes and boots, for instance, but it doesn't include Work boots. Well, you can get your cowboy boots, but you can't get your work boots. (laughs) Well, they're, they're specialized work boots that are, you know, for protection purposes and things like that. Those are not exempt. Fishing waders are not exempt. Ballet shoes are not exempt. It's those things that people would normally wear. They're going to wear a pair of cowboy boots, but they're not going to wear um, shoes. As far as the clothing, it includes all the typical things that you can think of, pants, shirts, dresses, skirts, all of those things.
0: Coats, Uh, hats, mittens?
1: Well, no, not in every case. Hats, yes. If it's a golf, baseball cap, something like that, it is exempted from tax. But a hard hat is not. So you get back to those work items would not be, um, but you know if you're looking at pants for instance, uh, regular jeans and slacks and trousers, all of those are exempt, but football pants with the pads in them are not. You would think about other things such as you know you ask about mittens and, and undergarments, those things are included, but again specialized clothing is often not. We do have on our website a listing that's fairly extensive that gives a lot of um, different types of things that people might have questions on, and it's PDF. You can go on there and just print it out and look at it. And you know, you can see that your pajamas are exempt. You can see that um, things like your your dress gloves are exempt, but garden gloves would not be. So you know, things that you would. It wear. really
0: is specific.
1: It is, and it gets back to things that people would normally wear that is not sports-related, that is not work-related. It's not specialized clothing. Now, obviously, clothes that we would wear, if you're working in an office, such as a dress or something like that, is exempt. A football jersey is exempt because a lot of folks wear football jerseys as they wear regular, you know... But you're not going to wear the football pants as a
0: regular (laughs) All right, here's one for you, hair barrettes or headbands.
1: Those things are considered accessories, and accessories are not included. Accessories are things like jewelry, purses, handbags, watches, umbrellas, Mm -hmm. wallets. Those things are not. So when you you start talking about hair bows, hair clips, uh, the ponytail holders, bobby pins, those things, barrettes, they're not included in the sales tax holiday.
0: Are there communities or stores that don't participate in this?
1: There were in the past, uh, but there are none this year. All of the cities are participating this year, and this, I believe, is the first time that all the cities have participated.
0: Now, tell us the website where people can see the list
1: gov.
0: Kathy Waterbury is the spokesperson for the State Department of Revenue. Kathy, thank you so much. You're
1: very welcome.
0: Football and other contact sports are a big part of Mississippi's culture, but what risk does the game pose for your child? We'll talk about it coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Last time on the Gestalt Gardener. You know, I walk here in the mornings, and uh, did I already say it kicked my butt this morning? It's not like, quite two and a half miles each way. Sort of get pumped for the program, you know. I see dead pine trees here and there, random trees. Most of the time they've been struck by lightning, and they get a lot of pine beetles in them. So anyway, if you've got a pine tree that turns completely brown, the ends of the branches are dead, uh, chances are if it was struck by lightning, didn't have root damage, it's pine bark beetles.
2: And for more garden advice, tune in to the Gestalt Gardener today, 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio.
4: controversial Greenwood LaFleur lived in two worlds. His mother was the daughter of a great Choctaw chief, his father a Frenchman with a prosperous trading post. LaFleur was disliked by many Choctaws for embracing white culture, yet as a tribal chief he opposed white encroachment on Choctaw lands. However, in 1830, believing the loss of tribal land was inevitable, LaFleur signed the Treaty of Dancing Rabbit Creek. The treaty surrendered 11 million acres to the United States, but allotted land to all Choctaw families that chose to stay and allowed them to become legal citizens. LaFleur was later elected to Mississippi's House and Senate. Even though he was a cotton planter, a slaveholder, and a personal friend of Jefferson Davis, he opposed the Confederacy. Upon his death in 1865, Greenwood LaFleur was buried in an American flag. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time.
1: As an MPB listener, you probably know of Radio Reading Service, our free closed-circuit network for the print-impaired. But did you know that means Radio Reading Service isn't only for the visually impaired and that MPB provides the special receiver you need for the service? Call 601-432-6301 to see if you qualify for MPB's Radio Reading Service. 601-432-6301. There's
0: so much more to know. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians who play contact sports like football are at risk of developing brain disease, according to a new study. In examining the brains of more than 200 former football players, researchers found 87% had brain injury. Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy, or CTE, is a degenerative disease that afflicts the brain of people who have suffered repeated concussions or head trauma. Researchers say it can cause memory loss, confusion, aggression, or a host of other symptoms. Jeremy Walls is a physician at the Hattiesburg Sports Medicine Clinic. Excuse me, Jeremy Wells is a physician at the Hattiesburg Sports Medicine Clinic. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware about the high risks involved in contact sports.
2: There's been some studies out showing that there's some increased risk of neurological conditions in football players. And a big question is, is how is this? Why is football showing this? We know from history of the athletes and studies that football and other collision sports, which football is the largest one in our state, leads to frequent head injuries. And it's looking like over time, uh, more and more of these head injuries we're having were possibly leading to chronic neurological conditions. And a lot of times, they'll get these injuries and have some acute neurological conditions, which we, we tend to call concussions. Um, which can lead to some immediate and long-term impairments.
5: What parts of the sport contribute to this increased possibility of damage?
2: A lot of times, you know, people think it's the one big hit or that guy that got hit and laid out and knocked out on the football field that causes that big hit. But it can happen at, at really any position on the football field, any small force or repetitive trauma that's chronically Injuring the head uh, can can lead to these types of injuries, so I see it in patients that have had the big hit and I've also seen it in patients that have had little small contact injuries over time and it doesn't always have to be one player hitting another player. Uh, the ground is just as hard as a helmet, so if you're if you're hitting the ground or hitting another player, that helmet's protecting the skull, but the brain the the soft mushy bits that makes everything work they're they're getting injured in there. So how common are concussions in football? Concussions are one of our common uh, evaluated and treated illnesses in football. It kind of varies from team to team and season to season, but almost every week uh, I I see multiple concussions, almost one per team. Uh, It's more frequent than kind of the big season-ending injuries. Uh, They can linger for several weeks to several days, it's hard to put a, a distinct number, but it's a, a, a fairly common injury.
5: So, how does this affect young players? Should parents be mindful of having their young children play football?
2: Concussions do affect younger players. The fact that they're not as mature as with their bones and muscles, but they've still got these large, you know, brains and heads, it leads them to having possibly higher injuries. They're also not well versed and trained in how to play protective football. So a lot of times they're they're leading with their heads or hitting when they shouldn't be. So it puts our younger players at further injury or worse injury. And then we also tend to see worse effects from these in those kids. You know, not every kid is going to have a concussion that plays, but we need to be especially mindful of teaching proper form making sure we're wearing proper safety equipment, and just being conscious that these types of things can happen, even in our young, just starting out football players. Now, that doesn't mean we stop playing because we want our kids to be active, especially in our state where we need kids active and exercising, trying to fight the obesity side of it. But we need them playing smart and trying to avoid these injuries as much as we can.
5: What can they do to make sure their children are playing at the safest level?
2: So parents should be mindful that a concussion can happen in their kid. They need to have discussions with their coaches, and especially if they are coaching, to do some training. There's a lot of resources available online. The CDC has a, a program called Heads Up that can teach you some basic information about what a concussion is, how to avoid it, and some warning signs. As a parent, if you're noticing some changes in your kid, they're complaining of a headache or they're having school performance changes or dizziness or just kind of not acting right, that's a point in time where they need to step back and talk to the kid and probably get them checked out uh, by their nearest medical provider.
5: How can signs of CTE be detected while someone is still living? Can it be diagnosed?
2: There's a lot of studies going on trying to detect CTE in living or possibly symptomatic patients, and and right now that's fairly difficult. Most of the studies that are done now are looking after that person has deceased and donated their brains. There are some scans that they're using for experimental tests, but right now they're not mainstream for diagnosing it. There are a lot of prior players that are showing up and having these long-term symptoms of depression, anxiety, other types of mood disorders. And a lot of aspects kind of describe it, such as Alzheimer's type symptoms that are wondering if maybe they have something such as CTE. And that's where a lot of the research is moving to trying to find these cases earlier to try to prevent the long term problems.
5: Jeremy Wells is a physician at the Hattiesburg Clinic. Thank you so much for speaking with me. You're welcome. Scientists say CTE
0: can only be formally diagnosed with an autopsy, and most cases have been seen in either veterans or people who played contact sports. Lester Ivey is commissioner of Mississippi's youth football. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware today's football techniques are safer than in the past.
6: These people that there are autopsy in are players that came up at a time when these safety protocols were not put into play. They came through football at a time when we were all taught to put your hat on it, lower your head, put it on, you know, and that's quite different today. Uh, That's even a penalty in our organization and in high school. It's called targeting if you leave with your head and in pros too now. So the environment has changed dramatically because of what they've learned through that research.
5: What are tips for players to protect themselves while they're playing football?
6: Several years ago, the NFL sponsored a group called USA Heads Up Football, and years before that, there was a national organization called National Youth Sports. And as all this research became available, both of those organizations started focusing real heavy on player safety and training coaches, training leagues at a young level, at our level, actually, to um, protect themselves by keeping their head out of the play to make sure that they don't sustain those blows to the head at high speed. So we are put through a lot better training, and we're teaching the kids a lot better techniques on how to protect yourself and prevent these kinds of injuries.
5: And what's the best safety gear for parents to go out and buy?
6: The biggest thing is get your child fitted properly. Don't just go buy an off-the-shelf helmet and you know stick it on his head where it just goes flopping around. It needs to fit tight. It needs to be the proper size and make sure that it comes down far enough on his forehead to protect his head. Make sure that his face mask protects his face. Most all the big sports stores know the criteria to fit a child properly. And if they will ask for help, they're all willing to help them.
5: What do you think people should know about football? Maybe they're considering taking their child out or not letting their child play.
6: Actually, our league stresses teaching the kids proper attitude proper sportsmanship, proper morals and character, and that just like in the game of life, in the game of football, you're going to get knocked down. You're to get up, not get mad, go back to the home and get ready for the next play, or in life the next day. But what I would tell parents is to educate yourself, learn the symptoms of concussions, pay attention to what these coaches are telling these kids in practice, and if they're not doing it right, Go to the authorities of that league and insist that they do follow the safety protocols that are put forth by our leagues. Insist your child follow the guidelines that the coaches are giving him on how to protect yourself. That's my advice. I wouldn't say take them out of the game. This game of football is not for everyone, but it is a good game.
5: Lester Ivey is with the Mississippi Youth Football Association. Thank you so much for speaking with me.
6: Okay.
0: Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardner. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Next Stop, Mississippi. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.
3: Mensa was 12 years old when he became aware of how people perceive him. I'm um, me. I'm half African. I'm Irish. I'm German. I'm all of these things, but the police don't know it.
0: At age 12, I learned the difference between white and black. Police pulled me off of my bike.
3: Mensa on his new album, The Autobiography, this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at four on
1: NPB Think Radio.
5: support for MPB comes from
1: the Woodward Hines Education Foundation committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college